With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Bless You Boys podcast. Um, we're recording Tuesday, April 24th. BlessYouBoys.com is your home for all things Detroit Tigers baseball on the SB Nation platform. Um, right now, to just get this out of the way at the beginning, we'll just ask that if you can support the site and the podcast as one of our Patreon patrons, we'd greatly appreciate it. You can head over to www.patreon.com backslash BlessYouBoys and donate there at levels from $1 up to whatever you can manage. Um, anything $3 or above, we'll unlock some special features there, and we are planning to do a special podcast with our Steam site manager, Rob Jackie, at some point in the very near future, and that will show up only on the Patreon page. Um, so that's basically the house the housekeeping. I'm your host, Brandon Day. With me is writer, author, editor, extraordinaire, Ashley McLennan. <laughs> How's it going? I don't think I have enough titles. You probably I have more than that. Something. I, I almost I gotta... paused because I was like, oh, I missed something there, probably. They're probably writer off. No, that's most of them. Knitter. Knit. I am currently. I am knitting a fancy wrap right now. Oh yeah. Is this going to be available yeah. on your Etsy site? Oh Christ, <laughs> no! The amount of time this is going to take me to make. I am keeping this for myself. I know. It's like, oh well, I'm putting it out there, but it'll be four hundred dollars because it took me you know, well twenty hours yeah. to do or whatever. Yeah. No, this is going to take forever. So. Yeah. So, once again, here we are on a Tuesday night without baseball. We didn't have baseball last night because the weather hates us and has cursed the Tigers and their fan base with a plague of wind, rain, snow. I don't think anything else bad happened. No hellfires as of yet. (laughs) Yeah, no no stadium collapses. No hail. I think we've we've covered the real, the basics. (laughs) Yeah, they kept it simple so far. No plague of frogs. Thank God. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's just been just been weird. Like, it's just hard hard enough to get in, into the rhythm with a team that you know isn't going to be very good, and then to like have like well, I mean, the schedule this wasn't even the only the one. The the game the was canceled in Baltimore today. Yeah. It was raining in Cleveland for the Cubs uh, Indians game. It didn't look very pleasant over there. Um, yeah, it's just everywhere. Yeah, the Cubs didn't seem to mind though, did they? No, but I think the Twins are wishing it had rained in New York tonight. Yep, it's raining dingers there. For sure. Yikes. Yep, and yeah, the Cubs is just, just wailing. <laughs> wailing <laughs> Cleveland Indians, was which is fun. so great. I loved it. Yep. Yeah, plenty of home runs there from Schwarber and Ian Happ and a bunch of people. So, yeah, Wilson Contreras, I believe, as well. Yeah, his first one of the season, I think. If it wasn't today, it was yesterday. Yeah, so there is at least baseball out in the world. Shohei Otani is pitching tonight, so... Without Tigers baseball or Rays baseball being already over, isn't it? It's a game. They were playing Baltimore. Their game was canceled. Tonight. Oh, that was. Oh, they were the ones playing Baltimore. So yeah, we're all yeah. just kind of shut out here. But there's no tiny game to watch, at least. <laughs> yes, I'm watching it right now. And as I observed before we started recording this, 
Um, somebody pointed out on Twitter earlier this week that um, Mike Trout has a little jug that he keeps in the dugout that says, like, Mike's special juice <laughs> or, like, Mike's special stuff. There's, like, a label on it that actually says that. Magic Trout And I'm 99.9% sure I just saw Shohei Otani drinking out of that magic jug. Um, I didn't see the label saying it, but he was definitely drinking out of the same giant, like, pink water looking fancy jug so like maybe he's trying to to have a little bit of that trout luck rub off on him yeah so if he hits three home runs tomorrow we'll know like oh it's working he's better than he was before which is scary yeah i saw he hit 101 earlier tonight um yeah one thing that happened that we complained about last week is that the the magic of the pitching ninja has returned to twitter through mlb's brief window of wisdom <laughs> they have oh. they have returned pitching ninja and actually made him a functioning member of the mlb i don't know social media team i guess and all of his uh, all of his gifts now have the mlb logo on them and God so that made bless. us all happy and you know invited a whole bunch of trolling of barstool sports and their ilk and stuff and that was going on i think week. we we got to give really mad respect to jeff passan for everything that he did yeah jeff passan uh, of yahoo um, sports broke that whole thing yep us champion the whole thing and he was like going toe-to-toe with those idiots yep and like he just would not back down and i think had he not given it that kind of national platform because that article came out exactly as we were talking last week so we shared a little bit of it over the air but i think had that not been a thing i think that could have just flown right under the radar and we might not have seen him reinstated let alone given that level of credential yep but you know you just hope you know that's an example of um you know mlb kind of learning their lesson a little bit about how to do a better job promoting the sport and allowing their fans to kind of help promote the sport because this is this is just the way things are going um with the you know the availability of social media and people being able to cut gifts and edit sound you're going to see a lot of goofy stuff like that if you just cut loose and it's really fun and a lot yeah. of times it's better than the stuff, you know, cut for or anything that, you know, is officially MLB related can can produce. So, yep. So that was a good sign. Um, and I say that because I've been watching yeah, Shohei Otani pitching gifts, which have been hellacious, as well as oh, Lance God. McCullers and his crazy, like, I don't know, his sinker that moves like two feet. <laughs> they the really need to label that stuff NSFW. I was watching some of the Scherzer ones right after. Oh, yeah. And like... Oh God! There was even it's some really cool Rick Porcello, um, Rick Porcello's changeup, like which we, you know, the whole time he was in Detroit, we were all like, God, if Rick Porcello just had a better changeup, it's not bad. But if he had that changeup, I saw today, um, yeah, he, he might have won a side young a lot earlier than he did. So, Thanks. Yep. So those are good things. Um, what isn't so good is the fact that there just hasn't been a whole lot of Tigers baseball to talk about. Um, no. Yeah, you know they took. Uh, I think they split the series with the Royals over the weekend, um, took split the doubleheader and then won on Saturday and lost on Sunday. Um, and the game on Sunday, of course, featured a bullpen meltdown, which is a Tigers special, of course. Um, and, it, and you know, it wasn't so bad from Drew Verhagen, but it wasn't, it wasn't very good. Um, Buck Farmer wasn't really any better, but um, it resulted in Drew Verhagen uh, being DFA'd, um, which leaves an open spot on the 40-man roster that the Tigers have yet to fill. Um, they did call up Mike Gerber, but he's already on the 40-man roster, so he's he's up at least briefly, maybe just for this National League series with the um, the Pirates as kind of a pinch hit, you know, backup player um, to kind of help fill in for you know having to pinch hit for the pitchers and all that kind of stuff. But give you a little utility depth. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I I I don't really know if it's going to last much longer. Um, I wish the Tigers would just keep him up and 
do something with Victor Reyes, like trade for him or just get rid of him or something because he's Make not playing. Make some kind of a move, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's bad for him, too. I mean, he's not getting, he's 23 and he's not going to get any better just sitting around on the bench, you know? No, and we there's no room, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's only, you got to kind of move it or lose it, basically, right? Yep. And, you know, he, he's, I guess he can play center field, but he's not a particularly good center fielder. So they, and Leonis Martin has continued to hit, so... And he's been defensively yeah. really good in center, I think. Yep. More so, more of a value out there than he's been at bat, even though his bat has picked up a bit. But we've seen some pretty impressive hustle from him out there. So Yep. And he's a really good defender, um, kind of always has been. So, you know, as much as it kind of feels like, you know, we don't need these veterans kind of blocking the young guys, um, that's been really good for the pitching staff. And um, anything that makes the pitching staff look better than they are and, and helps them out is a good thing. So. Yeah, I mean, so also, if you get rid of Martin, Ron Gardenhire's not going to know how to build a lineup. Yeah, I don't know who's who's going to lead off at that <laughs> point. I guess you just plug in Jacoby Jones, because Jacoby Jones is red hot, and you just can't be stopped at this point. So. Oh, I love seeing it. He's looked so good. He had that walk-off home run. He, like, ugh. It's that amazing interview, the post-game interview on the doubleheader. Oh, yeah, that was great. Uh, where he was just like, I was kind of hungry, so I wanted to end it. And then they asked how he did it. And he's just like, you know, we go out. Make shit happen. And I'm like, God bless Fox Sports Detroit for not bleeping this out. Because he absolutely said, make shit happen on air. Yep, just trying to make some shit happen. And he has. And he, yeah, he's, I mean, I feel bad saying it because, you know, Maltek had to go down to bring Jones up. But Jones has been performing exactly as people wanted him to perform last year, right after spring break. And I don't think he's going to give the team a reason to send him down again. Like, he is holding on to that position for dear life. Yeah, and it's, you know, and it's interesting because, I mean, he he struck out so much in the minor leagues that, I mean, I think, you know, for me and a lot of other people, we'd kind of given up on him. It was sort of like, okay, this year is sort of the last chance, and um, he seems to to know that and has made some changes um, in his swing a little bit. He's, he's shortened up a little. He's walking a little bit more. Um, hasn't been striking out that much, and yeah, his discipline looks great. Yeah, it really does. Comparatively, I mean, like it's just it's it's day and night compared to where he was last year. Yep. Um, I mean, he has a career 200 batting average and 586 OPS, um, but this year it's 293 and 874 so far. And obviously, it's early. Pitchers are going to change how they deal with him. Um, all those, you know, all those tests and challenges are yet to come. But you know, you get you got two home runs. You've got three stolen bases out of him in 41 yeah. at bats. And you know he's going to play brilliant defense and run the base as well. So as long as he's putting the bat on the ball, um, yeah, he's going to be hard to get out of that lineup. Um, and obviously, the Tigers seem to be pretty stoked with what they're seeing so far, uh, maybe a year later than they hope to see it. So yep. Yeah, and Machek hasn't shown any improvements in the minors, so it's not like they're they're cursing themselves for sending him down. Yep. Oh, you know, and I just realized this. I did not mm-hmm. know this. Jacoby Jones' official nickname, as listed on the Detroit Tigers site, is Juicy J. No! Yes. Juicy J. no! Juicy J from Chickasaw, Oklahoma. Oh, can we not? I mean, we we've already accepted that. that Candyman is a thing. Can we not do Juicy J? I know. Candyman at least oh. is better than Candy. I was really afraid it was going to be like, oh, they're just going to call him Candy. But we gotta... I just like that he posts the candy emojis for himself. Yep. So you can't really argue it. He, yeah. Oh, bless him. Every time he has a big hit, for those of you who aren't on Twitter, yes, he, he posts uh, various candy emojis. Um, it's usually like the candy get the candy emoji and a bomb, which I love. Yeah. Because he just embraces the candy bomb as a thing, yep. which I'm I'm here for. Yep. I love it. He's having a good time. 
And um, Jacoby Jones' middle name, oh, I didn't know this either, is Mylon. Mylon? M-Y-L-O-N. That is fascinating. That's not real name mm, yeah that's that's how we ended up with juicy j i guess <laughs> everybody was like well we can't use the middle name for anything we're just gonna yeah so no. so juicy j you know did really well on 420 which made us all laugh because of his previous <laughs> weed suspension um he you know had the game winner that day but yeah it's just been super fun to watch and um you know it's just you just don't know going into a season like this, like if the team is even going to be entertaining. And so far they've done everything possible to at least be entertaining. And we greatly appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> now, if we can just get some decent weather. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, I mean, Drew Verhagen got DFA'd. Um, that's not a big shock. I mean, I know some people kind of thought I was maybe a little bit hard on Drew Verhagen um, in the preseason, but he just hasn't really ever shown anything consistent, you know, consistently with um, with his command, especially. He did strike out more guys this year, so I don't know. You never know. There might be something coming around there with his um, with the new slider, but um, he needs to be in the minor leagues and to continue to work and try to find some way to uh, keep his command straight. So he's out of there. Yeah, I think Gardenhire had a couple comments about that, something along the lines of, yeah, we really like him, but he hasn't been doing well. So we're kind of at a position where we've got to start getting rid of these guys who aren't aren't working yeah and i kind of like that actually i like that the team even though they know they're in a rebuild isn't like messing around leaving guys up that shouldn't be there yeah like there are a couple more guys i wouldn't mind seeing kind of go the way but like yeah for sure it's nice to know they're not just going to be like well we're here to lose anyway so we might as well just leave these guys up embarrassing themselves yeah especially the guys who are a little older and like you know probably aren't really part of a future rebuilt contender no Um, and like how many seasons has Verhagen had to prove himself? Yeah, I mean, I think we drafted Drew Verhagen in 2012. I know he's 27 at least, so... And, you know, he's had some surgeries and injury issues and stuff, but he's a couple years removed from that. So, um, yeah, if he can't get it together this year, I, I think, you know, probably odds are slim that he ever will, if if, if yeah. not already gone. So, yeah, I mean, he you know, it, it kind of is what it is there. Um, the Tigers obviously have liked him and shown a lot of faith in him. So for them to make this move, I think you're right, kind of does show that they're a little bit more, you know, they're just going to be a little more proactive with things this year. They didn't wait very long for Mikey Matuk to struggle before they were like, nope, we're trying someone else, so. No, and that's great. I mean, as much as I'm a Matuk fan, I'm also a fan of seeing the team win games. Yep. So yeah, and seeing yeah, and seeing young guys get a shot, and yeah, yeah, and and Jones hasn't disappointed since he's come up. And I think had he floundered, they would have been like, uh, well, let's maybe give Reyes more reps. Let's do this. I think they would have just tried continually slotting guys in there until they found something that fit at least a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah, because for a rebuilding team, they don't really have a lot of space in the, on the roster, um, and it's sort of cramped our style, I think, a little bit. So, yeah, if you're you know if you're in left field or you're one of the one of the kind of you know last two or three relievers up in the bullpen, um, you're 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 not in safe shape at all. You need to perform, or they're just going to kind of move on from it. And maybe you know maybe that's a reflection of the fact that you know, you know there's going to be a lot more pressure from young guys coming up. Um, maybe even later on this year, but especially next year. And so anybody who's not sort of anyone who's above double A right now probably needs to start proving something or they're going to get, you know, shuffled aside as some of the, you know, the pitchers at Erie, like um, some of the relievers, Matt Hall, John Schreiber, those guys, you know, could probably pitch in the major leagues already. I don't know if the Tigers will rush them up later on this year, but 
but there's just yeah there's just too many guys who need a shot now you know Mike Gerber needs a shot he's 25 um he's probably not going to get much better hitting minor league pitching probably the same is true for Kristen Stewart um Dawel Lugo maybe needs a little more time but yeah those guys are going to start pushing their way up so yeah I like that they've been been pretty proactive so far with that so, but yeah, I don't know. There isn't a whole lot else to say about the Tigers, unfortunately. Like we just can't seem to get get some consistent games in here. Um, I guess uh, we can talk about the the Blaine Hardy starting pitcher show. Yeah, yeah, I know some people are very, very excited about Blaine Hardy, who has uh, put together three dominant starts in a row um, for the Toledo Mudhens, and I think you know this was just to kind of you know kind of fill a void where they only had four yeah. starters for a little while, but he's kind of taken it and run with it so far. I mean, good for him. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't particularly agree that we need to, like, bring him up and rush him into a starting role for the Tigers. Yeah. But I think that if he's... there was even a spot, yeah. Yeah, well, that he's factoring, that he's learning to become that long relief guy in a different way. Mm-hmm. Like, a guy who can go three, four, five dominant innings in the minors can be a three-inning long relief guy for you in the majors. And uh, and I'm intrigued to see how that goes because he isn't on the 40 man right now, is he? Um, Blaine is not. No, he was actually DFA'd. Um, yeah, they that's right. They designated him like in late March and really surprised us because we yeah. didn't hear about it until he'd cleared and was back with the team. So we didn't even know he was off the off the 40 man roster until then. But yeah, so that, that to me would be an interesting call up. Like not again as a starter, but as somebody for bullpen replacement. But at the same time, I kind of want to keep him in AAA, kind of sorting himself out there mm-hmm. until he really gets that niche going. So I'm I'm curious as to how they'll do that. Yeah, and I'm I'm just curious if there's anything new going on there because if it's just Blaine Hardy, you know, doing his usual thing and, you know, he's just kind of hit a stretch where his command is good. I mean, he's, he's been effective in the major leagues, you know, for multiple years as a reliever, and so it shouldn't really surprise anyone that he can handle AAA hitters like he, like he has. Maybe not quite as well as he has, but, you know, typically... Those guys aren't going to be too much trouble for him, and he knows who to pitch around in lineups and that kind of thing. So, unless I hear there's something going on there, like he picked up some velocity, or you know he's got a new pitch, um, I'm assuming he's still down there, just you know blowing high fastballs at 90 miles an hour and surprising people by blowing them past you know hitters with that, and then dropping a pretty nasty curveball, which he's always had. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's you know anything new there, but it does seem like that you know the Tigers signed Travis Wood for a reason like they really wanted that sort of lefty long man spot starter type of guy and it feels like you know just sort of by circumstance they're sort of shoehorning Daniel Norris into that role which isn't necessarily I don't know it might be a good fit for him but it doesn't feel like it's by design as much as necessity and yeah, yeah and maybe Blaine Hardy yeah like you're saying maybe Blaine Hardy can come up and, and take that on um I, you know, with the speed that they DFA'd Drew Verhagen and Blaine Hardy, you do have to kind of look at Mike Fires and kind of wonder, see, I said it right because this might be the last time, <laughs> Mike Fires. That if, uh, you know, if Mike Fires doesn't kind of get it together and look a little better, like how long they're going to wait um, with him blocking Norris from the rotation. But, um, you know, you figure he's got to get a couple more starts, I suppose, just because they're paying him and veteran. Yeah, he's on that one year. Blah, blah, blah. You kind of want to make sure you've, you know, given up all your options with a guy before you, you know, kiss him goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. He's been weird to watch. Like I watched plenty of Mike fires a couple years ago and he's like, a, he's a, he's a, I don't know. He's just such a weird, funky pitcher with that overhand delivery kind of has like this slow, 
wind up and then all of a sudden kind of explodes and throws the thing over the top and it's like 87 88 mile per hour fastball i don't know it's surprising he's as effective as he is i assume there's you know pretty good deception in that delivery but um apart from his changeup, i haven't really seen anything look even mlb quality as of yet so i don't know i don't know how long he's going to be for uh, for the team if he can't kind of turn it around a little bit i, I assume francisco liriano's got a lot longer leash just because of the career he's had but well, and he's been better mm-hmm. in everything we've seen him in. I'm not saying like Cy Young contention or anything, but he's definitely not been a disappointing pickup. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you still see the ability to just strike out a ton of guys. Um, so even the last outing, you know, he went five and a third and gave up three earned runs. You know, that's not that bad. Um, no. Yeah, he's he's been reasonably good. Um, he's, he's still walking people, but that's kind of what he does. Walk people, strike them out. Not give up many hits. He gave up three Aaron runs in that last outing with two hits. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's kind of how it is. Like you, you don't. It's it's almost like a weird Justin Berlanderish type profile where, apart from the walks, where it's like strikeouts, hardly any hits, but when someone does make contact, it tends to like go a long way. So it's kind of yeah peculiar. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see. Um, I think those are kind of the the next. Well, at least Fires is the next guy kind of um, on the hot seat to sort of get it together and get going. Um, Maybe Buck Farmer as well. Um, You know, he's been pretty good to start with, but the last couple times out has been a little rocky. Meanwhile, Joe Jimenez continues to pitch great. Um, And that brings us to the one thing that really did annoy me about that series is Ron Gardenhire using Shane Green in back-to-back games in a doubleheader, which is just stupid. Insane, yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I understand, you know, you want to win these games and Shane Green's your best reliever, but... He's also our prime trade chip, and you shouldn't be messing with his health by, by no. having him pitch like four hours, you know, innings four hours apart from each other. So I don't know, you know, I mean, obviously Ron Gardner has carte blanche to do what he wants, but the Tigers front office needs to put down a couple guidelines on guys like that. Like, do not, you know, just do not mess with with the guys that we, we're going to need to get the most out of this yeah, year and let's trade them. Try not to break the dude who's supposed to get us prospects in a couple months. Yep. Because other than those appearances, like Shane Green, you know, kind of had that rough first outing and then was dominating, and then you use him, you know, back-to-back on the same day, and then he was gone all weekend when we kind of needed him, and so you ended up using Verhagen and Farmer, and you lose those games, and Shane Green, because you used him for the second in the second game of the doubleheader, didn't pitch as well, lost that game. So, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah. Cause and effect. Yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully they'll learn a little lesson there and not not get out of hand um it was fun on that um the saturday game though they just absolutely just torched uh who was it was it danny yeah danny duffy just just Danny duffy yeah duffy. Yep. Oh, that was a great game yeah it was fun to see them um kind of just just erupt and and you know just rack up a ton of hits they had 16 hits in that game they drew eight walks like it was just a just a carnival of home runs walks etc and jacoby jones of course homered again in that game so yeah he's just on fire the kid's on fire right now I love it. Yeah, me too. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it, you know, it has been, and that's kind of the nice relief. Like, I really thought that this season was going to be a struggle to get through. And it was like, oh, God, we're going to have to watch 100 and 162 of these shitty, shitty games. But you know what? They're keeping it interesting. They're establishing pretty early on that there are still plenty of guys on the team that are going to be fun to cheer for. Yeah. And I'm into it. I'm here for it. Yep. 
And because we've missed so many games with postponements, I'm actually like desperate. I'm actually I know. like craving Tigers baseball right now, which was not a feeling I expected to have too often. During well, I was Tuesday. so hyped because like I usually get home just before we record this on Tuesday, so I can't watch anything. But my other plans canceled, so I'm like, oh yeah, I can get in some of the game. This is going to be awesome. And rain delay. Yep. Yep. Here we go again. Yep. Yeah. And, um, you know, other than that, you know, the, I guess the best thing to talk about is, you know, Miguel Cabrera has looked, looked very good. Like, we're still waiting for him to start lifting a few more balls out of the park. But other than that, I think he's hitting 300 with an 855 OPS. He's, he's looking great. Um, Nick Castellanos has looked good. Jamer Candelario has looked awesome. And, like, you know, maybe he's a little more than, than we thought we had in him um, in the power department. We super won that trade. Yep. Oh, that's a huge win. I believe Justin Wilson pitched again tonight. He did. He didn't look bad either. Yeah, but didn't he have like a six, seven run lead? <laughs> he had, uh, yeah, he had a seven run lead going into that inning. They were like, uh, okay, so it was safe. a pretty safe buffer to use him in that particular situation, but he didn't look bad. Um, so, I mean, that's something. Yep. Yeah. So here we are. Yeah, the Tigers are nine and 11. And something we, we kind of mentioned earlier, we talked about earlier on the, on the site channels, was just the fact that the Tigers actually, there's, I think there's, five teams right now with a worse record than than the Tigers do? No, I'm wrong about that. There's eight teams with a with a worse record than the Tigers do. Um although I haven't I haven't updated this to reflect whatever's gone on tonight. Um but you know you've got the Tampa Bay Rays, the Texas Rangers, the Baltimore Orioles, the Chicago White Sox, Kansas City Royals, and in the National League the Padres, Marlins and Reds all have a worse record than the Tigers do. And um it just And kinda, some substantially yeah. substantially worse. Yeah, I mean the Marlins. Yeah, the Marlins are five and seventeen, the Reds are four and eighteen, um, going in into tonight's play. So yeah, you know, it's it's just weird. You know, we're at a weird time in that but it seems like the best teams got better this offseason. Um, you know, I mean the Astros adding Garrett Cole is just cruel and unusual. The Yankees getting Stanton and then you know, having a problem and just randomly being able to pick up Neil Walker to plug in at second base, which is just, yeah, which is just not right. Um, you know, Boston signed J.D. Martinez. So the rich are getting richer. And meanwhile, uh, you know, it may be really hard for the Tigers to finish last. <laughs> I mean, I just, I don't know if it's possible. I don't, the way I'm looking at this, I don't think it is. Like right now, the Tigers are second in the AL Central. Yep. Like, I don't know how that happened. Um, and it's really weird. I mean, I'm not mad at it. They're not over 500, so it's still anybody's game, but it's so weird to see. Like, they're only two and a half games back from the Indians. Yeah. And the and that's that's counting tonight's Indians loss, but, like... And the Twins the lost Indians, yeah. yeah, the Indians have lost six of their last ten, and, like, it's, it's not... It's weird. Yeah. Like, again, small sample size. We're still in the first month of play, but... It's so bizarre. Like, I'm looking at these standings right now, and there's, there's ones that are surprising. Like, who would have thought the Jays would have been second in the East? I think everyone had that spot going to the Yankees. And they're neck and neck. They're only a game apart, but it's still super bizarre. Yeah. And um, Toronto's, the Ange- got, Toronto's got some firepower they can call up, too. So Yeah, yeah they've know. been looking great. The Angels are right neck and neck with the Astros right now, which I don't think anybody would have called, even with the Otani pickup. The Phillies, the Phillies are second in the NL East right now. Yep. And they're only a half game back from the Mets. And the fact that the Mets are on top and the Nationals are fourth is just bonkers to me. Yeah. 
And, you know, people keep saying the Nationals, you know, are having all these injury problems. And, yeah, you know, Eaton's been out. You know, they've had some injuries. Um, Who's the other one? Daniel Murphy's been out as well. But, you know, they played without Adam Eaton all last year. Um, Their pitching is all healthy. And, yeah, so far it hasn't been a very good start for Dave Martinez. Um, Whereas Gabe Kapler, who started out, you know, looking like a fool the first couple games and getting booed. (laughs) Yeah, suddenly people are like, oh. Oh, maybe he does know what he's doing. Maybe one silly mistake isn't, you know, the whole thing. Maybe this Gabe Kapler show isn't such a bad thing after all. Mm -hmm. And maybe somebody should have listened to Brandon and Ashley when they suggested that he be interviewed for the Tigers job. Just saying. Meanwhile, we're we're already getting the comments like, oh, you see how the team plays with so much more energy under Ron Gardenhire. It's like, people... They're nine and eleven. Okay, when Brad Osmus yeah. came in in twenty fourteen, I think the Tigers started twenty seven and fourteen that year, and we all thought they were going to just run all the way to the World Series. Yeah, um, it's very early, and Ron Gardner has faster, younger players. That's all that yeah. is. <laughs> That's all it is. Younger, faster players equal better base running and more exciting baseball a lot of the time, rather than waiting for J Up or J D to crush one out and get some people on base ahead of them. You know, there's a lot more chaos going on, and yeah, that could be fun. A little better defense out there. It's kind of more of an entertaining style of baseball, which is interesting because, of course, that's not the way baseball has been going in recent years, as more strikeouts, more walks, more dingers has been the nature of the game. So, I don't know, we're going to have to see if maybe they fixed the ball and and recorrected the ball to a softer, you know, less... Super Bowl esque model somehow. Well, I, don't know. I think that would discount what's going on with the Yankees. So yeah, and it may just be that the weather was just freezing balls cold for like the first <laughs> three weeks of the season. Yeah, uh... yeah. So yeah, it's been a yeah, it's been a kind of an odd start. Um, but yeah, maybe especially that's just from covering the Tigers and just having it all be so odd. Like you know, with all these all these postponements and like, is the game today? Is it going to be tomorrow? Um, I know some of my family members have been getting in touch and just sort of like, what's are the Tigers playing? Like, what's what's going on? Like, well, even today, I was like, are we postponed? Are we delayed? What's happening? Yep, yep, it's been weird. And you know, I mean, I, you know, I look through like these eight teams that were, or no, is that eight teams? Yeah, eight teams that were ahead of, and you know, it's not necessarily true that like all of them are trying to tank or like not spending any money. Um, obviously, the Rangers aren't trying to tank, although kind of coming into the season, I didn't see how the hell they thought they were going to contend with that pitching staff, but you know, they're spending $133 million. Um, the Orioles have almost $150 million payroll and they're just God awful. And I don't think anybody is surprised by that fact at all. So no, it's terrible. They're going to trade Machado at the break a hundred percent. Yep. And they're going to get and, very little compared to yeah. what they could have got this off season. Yeah. It's going to be a mess, but he's going to end up on a contending team and it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if they just go crazy. Like, because that's kind of what they need to do. Like, I, you know, they're going to lose all these guys, and what they're going to have Kevin Gossman and Dylan Bundy as two good starting pitchers on that roster. Oh, they should move everybody they yeah. can. Yeah, they need to just go whole hog, but they won't because the Orioles are just weird and do things in their own bizarro fashion. So, honestly, right now I'm mad at the Rays for not trying to move guys like Archer, Harder, and Colomay, and fuck, even Kiermaier. Yeah. who is hurt again and out until he's, yeah, he had thumb surgery. He jammed his thumb. He's out until July. <laughs> something about fun, something about fun outfielders, like where they just get hurt no matter what. Like, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I look at that and like, you can't even say that they're tanking because they didn't move everybody they possibly could. And I don't think that they're trying to lose the way they are. Yeah. It's, it's again, it's those really close tight games and like one run leads, one run losses, 
And there's tons of those, which the Rays are notorious for. But, like, you have a guy like Kiermaier, who was batting leadoff for most of the beginning of the season, batting, like, oh five zero, Like, fucking nightmare. Yeah. And so, I mean, you can't control stuff like that. That's not a tank. You're not asking yeah. a professional player to go out there and be that bad. It just happens. Yeah, so, and, be- and because the Rays owner is just such a ridiculous spendthrift you know i guess that's kind of what it comes down to is that, i mean they're not trying to tank that front office isn't trying to tank i mean they traded jake odorizzi and who steven Sousa? is that right steven Sousa jr um evan longoria oh well yeah obviously longoria but it's but, just I mean, kinda like whenever they're coming up to like okay we can't let this guy get into his last year before free agency like we've got to try to max value before then that's, yeah yeah <laughs> and that's they not let tanking. guys like alex cobb walk they let guys like logan morrison walk uh, but, I mean, Lo- Logan Morrison came out just this week, and he's like, nobody on that team wants to win. And I'm like, oh, Lomo, maybe never speak. Yeah. Um, but, like, I don't know. I, I, yeah. it's So that's the thing. Like, how many of these tanking teams are actually tanking? And how many, if you look at a team like the White Sox, I don't think that they're trying to tank. I think you have a team that's made up of a couple guys who are past their prime and a bunch of really young kids that haven't figured their stuff out yet. Yeah. And, and that when it comes down to the verge of being crazy good, and yeah, yeah, maybe I don't know. I, I'm not that impressed, know. honestly. I know that's what everybody says. I'm I'm probably the outlier and like totally wrong, but I just I just can't get past the fact that they traded Chris Sale, Adam Eaton, Jose Quintana, Todd Frazier, you know, all these guys, and they couldn't win with them. They couldn't win with them, and now we're supposed to buy that Yohan Mankata, Michael Kopech, Lucas Giolito. Eloy Jimenez, like, you know, it's going to all be different. I mean, I don't know, maybe. Um, they should at well, least get we'll back to... We'll come back this... in two years when, like, Sports Illustrated is like... Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the White Sox, your, you know, your, you know, 2022 World Series champions, and yeah. we'll figure it out. We'll, 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 we'll see who was right then, Brandon. Exactly. A little picture of me, like, oh, look what this guy said on this podcast two years ago. <laughs> we'll what have it recorded. It, it's just here forever. <laughs> what a jackass. Okay. Podcasts are forever. Yeah. And I will regret that one day because <laughs> I never think about what I say before I say it. I know we we do kind of try to wing it and yeah, and not uh, not sit here like machines going through like oh topic number four is going to be so yeah so yeah we'll see how it goes but yeah I mean I agree I don't think I don't think any team is tank is trying to tank like I just think that's almost impossible. Um, there's definitely some front office you know groups that are you know happily not succeeding <laughs> yeah i think there's only guys succeed, that but... aren't gonna go out there and spend in the off season if they don't see a win coming their way but i think that's kind of logical management style <laughs> like what are you supposed to do go out and spend a hundred million bucks every off season just to try to maybe hit third in your division yeah that's true but i i do think there's you know there's some middle ground yeah i mean i understand like certain teams like there's just no point you know, trying to like drop forty million on two big time free agents that are going to tie up your payroll for five or six years. Um, yeah, I think a lot of teams are playing a long game as opposed to tanking. Is yeah. my take on it? Yeah, yeah, that's probably the case. Um, although there are certainly you know some you know pretty deadbeat owners out there too who I don't want to let off the hook. You know, <laughs> looking at you, Oakland and Pittsburgh, and maybe Tampa, although they've been better in recent years. I think their ending payroll last year was a hundred million, which for them is, you know, kind of, I think it was like 77, like let's not get carried away. Now I looked it up by the end of the year. It was a hundred. I don't know if they made some deals or whatever. Yeah. I looked on Cots contracts. Sorry. It sounds like I'm taking this all off my head, but no, I'm staring at a sheet of paper. 
with official looking data in front of me. <laughs> but their opening day payroll this year was 76 million. So maybe that's what you're thinking of. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, no, you're right. Yeah. So I don't know. They spent some money along the way last year. Maybe that was just, you know, the fact of, and maybe that's an expression of the fact that they needed, you know, someone like Evan Longoria, Sousa, guys who were making a little bit more money um, to kind of go. But yeah, in general, like, yeah, I don't, I don't really see like the, the huge tanking situation going on. I just see the teams not really trying to win so much. And you know, if that changes in a year or two and they end up winning, I guess they'll be proven right, eh? <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to we'll say eh to you. A? You just want to say A? Eh? You yeah. want to make fun of me for being Canadian, Brandon? No, that's a sign of respect for your fine nation. Because I love Canada. Oh. Do you? <laughs> I do. Canada's great. Right. Nobody says anything bad about Canada. I mean, people make fun of us a lot, but that's because they're jealous. Yeah. I mean, they don't really make fun of America because they're terrified to death of us right now. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen next here in this this reality TV show of a nation we've got going. Ugh, ugh, yeah, it's a nightmare world you live in. Yeah, it's chaos. Chaos down here. Um, all right, so to get on to a little bit more chaos, we're going to talk about our old buddy, um, my favorite baseball player who ever lived, Justin Verlander. Oh, Jesus. Who, Justin Verlander's been making friends this week. Yeah, he's he's really been a popular fellow. Um, I, and, you know, we were talking about this before we got on here, and it does kind of seem to all go back to the tweet, you know, the whole I'm going to dominate soon tweet of, I think, 2015, that was, or 2016. Yeah. When he then was, came yeah. out and just, yeah, and just has basically torched the world ever since. Um, and, you know, he, before that, he was never really that vocal a guy. He was kind of Mr you know, keep everything under wraps. Like he didn't want to talk about how he threw his slider. He didn't like to talk about the way he pitched different guys. Um, you know, someone, I remember someone finding out that he held his curveball without touching any of the seams. And for a while he was kind of annoyed about that and kind of put out some like, you know, some propaganda, <laughs> counter propaganda to suggest that maybe that was just a way he would play with it sometimes. And now uh-huh. he's like an open book. And I don't know if it's, you know, these are just the joys of you know, being happily married now, and you know he's an older guy. Having a World Series ring, yeah, being a veteran, you know, leader and presence on the team and in Major League Baseball generally. Um, I mean, before Otani came along, I'm not sure who's a bigger star, like an actual like recognizable star, than Justin Verlander in the game right now. And partly that's because he married Kate Upton and that whole story and all that. But he's also kind of just had this longevity as kind of the the you know the greatest old school horsiest horse. You know, left yeah. on the course um, as all these guys go out throwing five innings nowadays. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's changed for him, but he's definitely um, he's definitely been more vocal. And he got into it a little bit this week with Tim Anderson of the Chicago White Sox, who you know, to his credit, is kind of an irritant and broke <laughs> up <laughs> and broke up Justin Verlander's no hitter. I think in the fifth inning on Friday. Yeah, I don't think you can get real excited about a no-hitter in the fifth inning. And I say this as somebody who will get excited about a no-hitter in the fifth inning. But as a pitcher, you can't. Yeah. And I say this also as somebody who still has not forgiven Gerard Dyson for bunting in that Mariners game last year. Oh, yeah. Where Justin had a perfect game going. Yeah. Like, that was infuriating. Yeah. But, like, but even that, like, from a baseball perspective, hey, you're trying to win. It was still close. you have to try to win until the very end. Like, I I don't know. I think that it's stupid, the idea that you should let an opposing player 
who's who just happens to be having well, a dominant outing like win it sure doesn't that take away from a person's no hitter or a perfect game to know that the guy's letting them win for sure and and before we go too far i agree with that and so does justin verlander like that's that wasn't that wasn't what annoyed justin verlander he was like fine you know obviously you're gonna you're you're excited you got your hit you broke up the no hitter you're trying to fire up your team he did say that but it was then that tim anderson i believe stole second base on a 3-0 count where Verlander walked, uh, what's his first, I think it's Omar Narvaez. And basically Tim Anderson took off towards second like he was stealing the base and was clapping it up like he'd stolen a base. And that apparently started to tick Justin Verlander off. But what really, what this all came down to is then, then Tim Anderson got caught kind of leaning off second base, you know, attempted to steal. It was sort of an attempted double steal, I think. If I remember right, I only saw this <laughs> once. And basically they both ended up at second base and Verlander picked up, picked off Nomar or Omar Narvice and then kind of gave it to Tim Anderson a little bit like, Oh yeah, baby. You know, and kind of did the same, like, you know, I'm pumped about that as Anderson did when he reached base and kind of gave it back to him, which is fine. Like at that point, I don't really have any problem. Like this is just, you know, boys being stupid boys on the baseball field, yeah. getting upset about that. But I think where it all went wrong is that Justin couldn't keep his mouth shut and had to come in and explain this entire thing to the to the press, which he didn't used to do. He used to be Mr. Like, oh, you know, that's just baseball. I don't yeah, we'll leave it on the field. It. it is what it is. Yeah, but okay, here's, here's his quote. So he says, you know, regarding Anderson's exuberance when he stole or sort of didn't actually steal second base. All right, so he's stealing 3-0 in a 5-0 game. That's probably not such great baseball. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. But he celebrated that, though. And it's like, hey, I'm not even worried about you right now. You know, the score is five to nothing. I'm given the high leg kick. I know you can steal. If I don't want you to steal, I'll be more aware of you. But I'm just trying to get this guy out of the plate with two outs. So he goes through that. And then after Verlander and Anderson kind of like talked whatever smack they talked to each other, he said, well, hey, I'm just very thankful he gave me an out. And that's what I said. And he didn't like it. But hey, that's not my fault. That's his fault. I'm not going to let the situation dictate what I do out there. I'm going to slow everything down. And that's what a veteran does. He sees the game. He plays the game. And he plays the game Wait for the emphasis. right way. The right way. Oh, drink. Oh, and drink. That's, and that's where it all goes wrong for me. And I, I <sighs> cannot back Justin Berlander on that. And it's, you know, that's, that's where he kind of loses the plot for me. Play the right way. I'm so sick of the right way. Mm. Yeah. I mean, however you play baseball best is the right way for you. And it may be different for everyone. Like stoic guys, there's exuberant guys, there's guys take, who take offense to everything, there's guys who never even notice what other players do. And at this point, yeah, you know, and we know, you know, Justin Verland is a red ass. Like this is the way it's always been. Like, you know, and Max Scherzer, same way. There's plenty of guys like this, but they don't say it. Like, that's, uh, to me, all that is fine on the field. Like, I like emotion. I like yeah. anger. I like guys getting charged on the mound. I, I love all of it. But what I don't want to hear is someone come off the field and then try to justify themselves, you know, in some kind of rational context that doesn't have anything to do with the heat of the moment. Because you just sound yeah. like an idiot. And that's what Justin Rolander sounds like here to me is, is an idiot. You know, being, being pissy with Tim Anderson. And Tim Anderson is kind of an irritating type player. That's sort of the way he plays. He's got a little bit of like Ian Kinsler in him. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of nonsense. <laughs> it's like, how about you just keep your mouth shut and play baseball, Justin Verlander, for a little while? Because, you know, it's all it's all getting to be too much. Yeah, it set me the wrong way. And I, like, I miss JV, and I loved Justin Verlander when he was with the Tigers, and I was thrilled to see him win that World Series. But sometimes you just got to be like, dude, 
come on. Like, yep. you're you're Justin Verlander. Everybody fucking knows you're Justin Verlander. Maybe just, like, let it go. Yeah. Maybe, you know, count the innumerable accolades that you have and the gigantic fortune that you and your wife are amassing and the goodwill of a great many people around the game and just be like, eh. Whatever. You know, he's just a little punk kid. I guess the only saving grace to this is that it didn't turn into a Latin American player versus a white Anglo-American player. Oh, <laughs> Because that's always, that's always the thing, you know? And uh, we've talked about this, you know, kind of on the MLB channel a little bit, but just the fact that, you know, and obviously there are, you know, I, I think it can be a little bit over-characterized that, you know, Latin American players are super exuberant and everybody bat flips and everybody, like, runs the bases and high-fives each other, even on the opposing team. It's not really like that. There's plenty of guys who are stoic, hard-ass type guys. I mean, I could hold up Yadier Molina as a, as a good example of a dude who's very much a right-way type guy but is a Latin American player. But by and large, these kind of things tend to happen, you know, when someone like Jose Fernandez annoys someone like, say, Brian McCann, the the legislator of the right way. And, yeah. And this kind of stuff just gets to be, you know, nonsensical. Like, everyone plays the game the way they want to play. Fans like to see players have a good time. Um, and yeah, I don't think we need to live in a world where we're, like, policing the idea of people enjoying their home runs. Yeah. And it really, you know, and it all just, you know, and it just all strikes a really sour note when someone does something like that. Because it's just, you know, you know you're upset because you got beat. And now the guy is, you know, celebrating in a way you don't like. But really, you're just upset because you got beat. And now you're trying to find some justification to be a jackass. And that's what Brian McCann did on a couple of occasions. There's plenty of guys um, who, who are kind of notorious from that. Well, so. I mean, it's what Ian Kinsler did at the WBC with Team Puerto Rico. It's what... Well, it's... maybe. I don't know. I, I was a little... Oh, it was the, the, the right way discussion. I don't... Yeah, I, I know. He... I know. You shouldn't even bring it up on, on, under those terms. I agree. Although I understood what Ian Kinsler was trying to say, which is just that no, he I, doesn't mad I, about other people. He was just saying, if I play this way, it's okay. You know, we if, if I want to play this way, I should be it should be okay too. So I don't know. I understand though. Some people definitely de- definitely took it that way, and it had the stink of it. So I don't know either. Yeah, it's dicey. You just kind of, I think, to judge somebody else's way of playing yeah. if it doesn't impede yours is just silly. Yeah. And isn't it all just, like, trying to find a way to, like, you know, make up for what you couldn't do on the field or your team couldn't do on the field? Like, trying to find yeah. some kind of argument. You are know, like, oh, ethics, it, blah, it, blah, blah. It is literally a child's game. Like, let people have fun. Yeah, exactly. Let people have fun. And if other people don't want to have fun, whatever, that's that's their business, too. But when these two things meet, it's, it's, never, it's never as much fun. Unless people just fly off the handle and get stupid mad about actual baseball stuff, in which case I find it thoroughly entertaining. So, but that's the problem. You know, I'm a, I'm a mixed martial arts fan. I'm a hockey fan. I, I I can't get over liking some heat. Like I don't mind that players all slap hands and are buddies, you know, with their actual buddies before games. None of that stuff ever bothers me. But I also am not bothered when when players take offense and get super angry. Just keep it on the field and keep your mouth shut after the game and don't come out sounding like a jackass trying to justify your nonsense because it's just nonsense. <laughs> and sometimes that nonsense amuses me and it's fun. But I don't need to like hear you kind of try to you know have some kind of <laughs> rationale like oh. The unwritten rules state clearly in unwritten rule four, section two. (laughs) Nope. Nope. So, but yeah, I don't know. Justin Verlander is just a salty individual because then there was a White Sox fan screaming, you guys suck at the Astros, I guess the whole game from behind the dugout. And he 
you know, wrote up three signs that said, no, you suck, like one word on each of them, and slowly unveiled them with a big grin on his face to her, to the much, Which, you know, to the delight it, of Astros fans all around her, but still kind of so childish. stupid, because if you've ever, ever been to a White Sox game, that's just it. Yeah. Like, if ever, I can hear it audibly while watching Tigers games and it's just like Detroit sucks especially White Detroit Sox Detroit yeah. sucks they're notorious for it it's all they do yeah and like like my one of my first games live ever was a White Sox game and this guy behind me would not stop chanting Detroit sucks the entire time mm-hmm. and at one point I like turned around and looked at him and he was just like oh, <laughs> oh like he's like enemy in the territory and i'm like oh my god bro yep. like, a, yeah really? of chicago and philadelphia have definitely have some commonalities <laughs> yeah. yeah so i mean like and he should know that he played 19 games a year here in in like in chicago yep. well i mean i guess you know half of that because you're playing half of them at home but you know what i mean yeah i mean he definitely you know understands the drill and i mean to i mean to to, to kind of leaven it it wasn't like he was all upset like no, he, had a he big was grin on his face and was just messing with her back. But it is just kind of funny to see him responding to things like that for a guy who is, you know, so long, Mister, like you know, lunch pail. Like I'm going out there, I'm going to dominate, pitch as deep as I can, and not really have a whole lot to say about it after. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's just you know, he's gone Hollywood. I really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but he definitely is expressing himself much more than uh, than we used to see from him, which is just kind of weird and funny. So, yeah, it's I, I think I would have found the sign thing a lot funnier if it hadn't come right on the heels yeah. of the whole like play the game the right way thing. I know. And if he hadn't said that, I probably kind of would have taken his side because I don't have any problem with the fact that after Tim Anderson was kind of a dick about, you know, making a big fuss about really nothing that he did on the field that Justin kind of gave it to him back when he picked off Narvice. Like that. I love that. I love that. No, that's I love that great. They were kind of I'm here for that. Yep. Me too. But don't come out there and talk about the right way and sound like a dummy. So it's the same thing. I get fired up. If somebody like throws a teammate under the bus for doing something wrong. Yeah. It's like everybody watching that game knows that that guy messed up. You don't need to be the one out there telling the press that he did. Yep. Like anybody with eyeballs can see that that bullpen guy totally screwed the pooch. Nobody needs to hear a teammate going, oh, you know, Drew Verhagen went out there and sucked, like, the, the big egg. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, we know, but that was rude. Yeah, yeah. what <laughs> like, are we going to do the next time you suck the big egg, buddy? Yeah, yeah. like, that doesn't make friends on the team, and you need, like, that clubhouse gel, and that just doesn't do it. Yep. Yeah, it's, you know, just, just some kind of childish nonsense, and... Yeah, I don't really know. Uh, you know, maybe it's just Justin Verlander being, you know, get, getting used to being like Mr. Quotable, you know, s- elder statesman superstar and, you know, everybody hanging on his every word that he now feels like, you know, he's going to get the benefit of the doubt in these things. But even I, Justin Verlander's biggest fan in the world, has to say that you came off kind of like a douchebag. So settle down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was saucy on Twitter, too, because somebody, I guess, had talked about the no-no. And he's like, I don't believe in jinxes. And Justin Verlander's hitting a no-hitter. And then Verlander, like, quote, tweeted him and said, you jinxed it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, he's definitely, like, there's a different attitude going on there. Like, he's always kind of been fun on Twitter, which is nice. But, like, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of funny. Like, I don't know if, if it's sort of like a leadership thing in his mind that, you know, he's kind of the face of the Astros and they won the World Series and now everybody's coming after him and everybody picked the Yankees. 
you know, not the smart people, but, you know, like the typical like baseball writer, East Coast bias morons who all think like, yeah. oh, the Yankees got Giancarlo Stanton. How could they lose now? Like Giancarlo Stanton is, you know, one of the top five players of the game, which he isn't. So, yeah, I don't know. I, maybe it's just some of that nonsense kind of kind of percolating through. But it's like, eh, you've got a beautiful boxer dog. You know, your life is great. Har- you know, <laughs> I want more Harley pictures. I need less of this nonsense. So, Amen. Yeah. More Harley Upton, less being stupid. Please, please. Um, I guess to his credit, he's pitching great, so I don't know, maybe it's working, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, was there <laughs> any other nonsense? No, there really wasn't. Nolan Arenado was like a week and a half ago by now, where he uh, where he got drilled by Luis Pordomo or Luis Pordomo and charged the mound. We haven't had any mound chargings in the past week, so. No, Chris Bryant took a pretty ugly beaner Ooh. to the head. Yeah. Um, oh, on the weekend, yeah. it was really tough to watch. Like, it knocked his helmet halfway off. He ended up getting a big cut on his, uh, just above his eyebrow from his sunglasses. Um, but all of his tests came back clear. So he is probably going to be back in the game this week. I mean, it hit like, him there's square n- in the forehead. Oh, it was. And he just, like, he stayed standing, but he, like, walked towards the dugout immediately. Yeah. Like, you could tell his body was just fully on autopilot because Joe Madden came up and, like, put an arm around him. Yeah. And it was just, like, you could practically see his brain going, hey, Dad, do I have to go to school today? Like, <laughs> Where am he, I? he was just, like, leaning on Madden, and he just looked like he was on another planet. Like, he was just like, I want just five more minutes in bed. Like, it was... <laughs> It was just. Oh man, I shouldn't laugh, but yeah, it was kind of one of those moments. Where it was like, exactly Whoa. what it was like. You could tell that he was just like not inhabiting his body in that particular moment. Yep. Like everything was just absolutely on autopilot, and that's scary to see that stuff. And that's why you see a lot of those guys wearing like the face cover parts of the. Yeah, that face uh, guard uh, has been popular this year. It seems yeah, like it's gotten like a lot of play now, and for good reason. Like you see a hit like that. And in that case, it didn't hit him in the face, which, by the way, happy one-year anniversary of Jacoby, Jacoby Jones. Jones. That's what I was thinking about, yep, because um, the way Jacoby Jones kind of, like, he got hit and he sort of couldn't stay on the ground. He's, like, running around bleeding and then, like, laid down yeah, and kind of got up and didn't know what to do with himself. Well, it's almost like an instant shock. Yeah, like, it is, yeah. The shock body's just good... like, where, what do I do? How do I survive? What's going on? I know, and Brian's um, was so crazy because it hit kind of on the brim of his helmet, and the helmet went 360 around on his head, like above his head a little bit, spun all the way around crazy. back to perfect. I mean, it was, it was cartoonish Yeah, and then it was just like halfway off his head. At the same time. Oh. Th- that sort of thing is really scary. Like, Yeah. And didn't, he did um, pick concussion tests, though, right? Isn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's right? fine. I think they just wanted to be precautionary, Oof. so he's not back. He wasn't playing today, but he should be back later this week, I think. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, maybe give him a couple days to kind of collect himself. Because it really seemed like, I mean, even for Jacoby when he came back, he wasn't the same last year. And I don't know if that really, you know, played into, this, the, you know, how bad his season kind of went after that. But, man, it's it's got to be hard to put that stuff, you know, aside and, and just go out there and play. The yeah, other really scary like... thing that happened, I'm sorry, but the other really no. scary thing was that Danny Farquhar um, aneurysm oh, in the White Sox uh-huh. dugout. Woo! I was that watching was that game, crazy. and all of a sudden, all you could see is all these people in the dugout, like all milling around, and it kind of looked like there was, like maybe there was a fight going on or something like that. And it didn't come out until a little bit later. But yeah, Danny Farquhar was basically in a coma for a couple of days before they could operate on the aneurysm. And um, I don't know, you know, listeners of ours may have seen that on Twitter or elsewhere. But um, yeah, it was a really scary scene. I mean, Danny Farquhar is a 31 year old healthy athlete, and 
you know, we've seen that kind of thing happen sometimes. Nobody's immune to some of these yeah. things, but woo, that was terrifying. And there was nothing, like, there was nothing in-game. I had a couple people ask me, they're like, well, did he get hit? Did anything happen? And there's nothing. There was nothing leading up to it to give any indication that, like, he should be monitored or that anything might not be okay. Yeah. It was just like he was standing, and then he was down. He just passed right out in the dugout. And I don't think anybody knew it was happening. And so they rushed him to the hospital, obviously. And the next day, you got guys like James Shields out there going, how do we even think about baseball right now? Ugh. And yeah. like, it's, so that whole team was shaken, but it's been really, really cool. And, and cool is not the right word, but uh, touching to yeah. see his former teams, like the Blue Jays, the Rays, the Mariners. They've all really embraced this, like, you know, kind of do it for for Danny kind of ideal and they've been hanging his jersey up in their dugouts and it was really nice to see actually during like the Mariners White Sox matchup because both of them were his current and former team so they both had his jersey up yeah um and that was nice because I mean you can't know like he may never be back in baseball again yeah like right now people are just happy to know that he's talking to his doctors and communicating with his family yeah so I mean if he can like stand and function and have a normal life after an aneurysm that's your priority yep although it's also true you know you just never know with those things um you know it, it's just one of those weird things where he you know he kind of popped a bleeder in the brain and you know once that's fixed you just don't know like is there going to be is there going to be damage it's so far all signs seem to be good um i don't know you know whether whether or not that means he'll, he might be able to come back um this year it's all way too early for that but um, yeah, at least the news that the surgery was successful and that he's awake and seems to be responding very well to, you know, to his doctors and, and talking and, um, yeah, I don't know. It seems like, you know, it's, it's gone about as well as it could, but yeah, that was a, that was a really scary moment. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's weird, you know, it's, and maybe just, you know, just kind of opportunely timed that we were talking about the Verlander thing right before this, because yeah, I mean, it really, that's really what it is, is. It just puts it all in such, you know, such perfect perspective that we're, you know, they're all playing a game, no matter how seriously everyone takes it. There's, you know, there's old reality sticking its dang nose in things. Yeah. Speaking of which, and I don't, we didn't talk about talking about this, but um, I just wanted to mention something that got posted on Halo's Heaven today. Oh yeah. Oh my God. If anybody, Halo's Heaven is um, the SB Nation's, uh, Los Angeles Angels site and their um, managing editor Josh Mayhood posted a piece today about his personal struggles with heroin addiction and like how he dealt with that while also trying to run this site and I think it was it's really moving and it's I think really important to read because I he was in our chat room like he yeah. was a guy that we peripherally knew all the time and I had zero clue that that was happening in his life yep and i think it's really important to read just because it's like it could be anyone you know like addiction and addictions touched my life it's touched everybody's life in some way yeah mine too but i think it's just one of those things where you can't know what a person's going through and to kind of like know that that kind of struggle exists for people that are in your life on a daily basis is insane yeah and it was a really really gutsy thing for him to share and to be that honest and oh, i think also really yeah. well written too i mean yeah. if, if you're out there thinking this is going to be like kind of an after school special kind of kind of article it was it was gritty and very real and very well no, written he, and he powerful, doesn't let himself so. off the hook at all yeah 
Um, and it's it's really interesting to show how it affected his life around baseball, which is something that I think we all know and love. And it changed even his love for that and his ability to, to function within that. And so I think it, if you can handle it and if you're okay reading stuff about addiction and, and drug use, that it's really worth heading over to Halo's Heaven and reading that piece because it's, it's something else. Yeah. Yep, that was a, a slice of raw honesty um, that yeah you, that just kind of interjected in, onto a baseball site that you don't you don't come across very often anywhere. So yeah, it was it was a heck of a piece, and um, yeah, I mean obviously we all wish him all the best, and it's I, yeah, and I'm it's an very, ongoing it's an ongoing yeah. lifelong struggle. So I mean obviously he he's not fixed, but he's on the right path now, and that's a really really positive thing to know. Yeah, and obviously, I don't know what the situation is in Canada, but, you know, in the United States, you know, opiate addiction has just gone through the roof over the past, you know, 10 years. Um, you know, I mean, we kind of went from, like, you know, cocaine crack in the 80s to, you know, there was prescription drugs in the 90s and then kind of the methamphetamine boom. And, now, and you know, over the last decade, you know, so many opiates have taken so many lives around the country um, that it's it's also super relevant just, just as a larger societal issue that is affecting probably everyone even if you're not aware of it in some way or the other so yeah if you care to take it take a look at that head over to halo's heaven and read josh's piece because yeah it was um it, it made a huge impression on me um today and i know you as well obviously so yeah like i couldn't imagine just some guy i know in an office having you know had to make a pit stop at his heroin dealer's house the yeah. morning of yeah like it's eye-opening it's just really worth the read yep um we're just going to wrap it up today with, I'm just going to kind of run through a little bit of what's been going on um, in the farm system. It's still too early, so I'm not real, maybe later on as we go, I'll I'll have a little bit more detailed reports to offer people. But really, I mean, so far, like the, over the last week, the big news is, you know, Matt Manning made his first start of the year, um, came out, struck out nine of the first 10 hitters he faced, and then just kind of ran out of gas because he hasn't pitched in a month. Um, but he looked unhittable. Like he looked flat out unhittable. Um, at that level of baseball, I don't know how long the Tigers are going to be able to keep him um, in West Michigan because it just looked like as if his fastball is anywhere near the zone, guys just can't see it. Um, they can't get get the bat on it hardly at all. And, you know, for him to learn to kind of use all of his pitches and command everything, he's going to need to face a better caliber of hitter and probably pretty soon because, um, the, you know, I think it was our buddy Hookslide who posted clips of every one of the strikeouts and I mean, he was just kind of blowing people away with just fastballs right down the middle. And, no, you know, and hitters were, you know, <laughs> like just way late. Let's just say way late on everything. Like couldn't see it coming out of his hand. And it was pretty impressive looking. So that was kind of Brandon. The, that was kind of the big news. Yeah. This is where you get to go. I told you so, Keith Law. Uh, I won't even do that yet. There's a long, <laughs> way, there's a long way to go yet. Um, but yeah, Keith Law and I did have a couple of little back and forth last year because I just I just could not fathom why he was taking, you know, his one time that he saw him where he was, wasn't good and his velocity was down compared to, you know, the reports we were seeing, you know, the last couple outings with the Whitecaps. You know, I had a couple people who I know are smart baseball fans all write me and say, like, I've never seen a pitching performance like that. I've never seen hitters that overwhelmed by a guy's fastball. So, um, and, you know, it's not like he's throwing 100 yet. Maybe he'll get there, but, you know, just the extension and life of the fastball, he was just just mowing through people. So, yeah, in your face, Keith Law. Hater, why do you hate the Tigers farm system? Yeah, no, I'm glad you did. Give you that one. Yeah, that's good because I wouldn't call out Keith without some encouragement. So, no, I know, but we do like we do like. You'll never hear this, otherwise I would not have caved. (laughs) 
I mean, I, I, do, like I do think people really think like Kizla hates the Tiger's Farm system. I, and maybe he does just kind of have like a bit of an axe to grind as far as like the Tigers record of developing their own talent that kind of leads him to kind of underestimate a little bit, maybe some of the Tigers guys, but um, you know, Keith Law has reached out to us. We've all, you know, we've all kind of texted with Keith Law and you know, Keith Law is a perfectly cool guy who wrote a really, really damn good book called smart baseball last year that came out um, that people should check out. But um, yeah, anyway, yeah, in your face, Keith Law, Matt Manning's coming for your ass. <laughs> um, oh my god <laughs> yeah as far as the other tigers aces like alex fiedo pitched today and pitched very well um there have been some people kind of worrying because his velocity's down a little bit but you know he hasn't pitched you know basically since the college baseball world series last year so it's not a surprise that it might take him a little bit a little bit to build his fellow up so yeah i wouldn't worry about that um anthony castro's pitched very well uh, I'm trying to think if anybody else kind of really, really dominated. Sandy Baez has been reasonably good, while Bo Burrows has kind of struggled a little bit. But um, yeah, lot, there's a lot of good pitching going on from the Tigers relievers, but it's all just very early, so we're going to take it easy. Too soon. Yeah, way too soon. Um, who else? You know, Isaac Paredes has, I think, got three home runs already, and he's kind of our star hitting prospect at this point, position player prospect, I would assume. So he's looked very good so far. Um, Dawa Lugo has been hitting the cover off the ball. For the mud hens, but still isn't drawing any walks and isn't hitting for that much power. Although he did hit his first home run, so I don't know. I don't know. We'll see if we have a second baseman of the future there. I think it's going to take a lot of a lot of proven. But um, you know how we could get that, Brandon? Yeah, we could. No, <laughs> I'm never going to get what I want, and uh, it makes me real sad. I know. Coming soon this week, I will write about Nick Madrigal and how we will never draft him. I know. You know, the thing is, though, Nick Madrigal has been out for about a month um, with, I think, was it like a broken wrist or a sprained wrist or something? Some kind of hand injury. But anyway, Nick Madrigal has one month to just rage and change everybody's minds. And I really hope he can do it because um, we we both really like the idea of getting yourself a bona fide middle infielder that basically is going to be a three or four war player. Um, without things even having to break all that that much right. Like, he just seems like, you know, kind He's of a all... lock to be an above-average second baseman in the major leagues very soon. Yes. I want my future Ian Kinsler. I want... <laughs> That's who he is, too. He's a Pedroia Kinsler-type <laughs> dirtbag. He's a savage. Kylie McDaniel, like he's not but he's absolutely yeah. in that, like, Kinsler niche. And ugh, I want, I want him. Yep, I know it. But there is a little time, so and he's been out, so he's just kind of off the radar. And maybe, um, maybe if he makes a big run, the thing I've seen like covering the draft the past couple of years is, is it's almost ridiculous how, you know, fast you know a guy can rise up or, or fall based on like a week or two of baseball. <laughs> you know, a guy can play baseball for like twenty years of his life, and like he has one bad week, and all of a sudden he's not the number two prospect anymore; he's the number twelve prospect, and it's like, ah. Eh. You know, if I analyze baseball with these level of samples, you know, people would just laugh me out of the uh, off the site. So. It is kind of weird, but I'm sure, you know, NFL football draft followers will will know that, you know, this is just the, the way it goes as far as draft stuff. Yeah. But we do like, we'd like us some Nick Madrigal, for sure. Um, I still like Casey Mize. I won't be mad. I like Jared Kalanick. Alex Bohm, I don't like as much. You know, there's a couple other guys who maybe will work their way in here, but I really wish the Tigers would just draft Nick Madrigal and just say, okay, we're halfway to having our middle infield of the future. We've got pitchers up the wazoo coming. 
And all we really need to do is add, you know, I mean, we saw what you could get a bat for this offseason, like Jay Bruce, you know, signing for like yeah. 13, 14 million dollars a year. You can get a couple of guys to patrol the corners and, and hit the crap out of the ball for you. Um, if your middle infield is set and you've got catcher the way we think we do with Jake Rogers and some of the younger guys, you know, we've got D- Daz Cameron and I don't know, Derek Hill's having a rough start, but maybe still Derek Hill to play center in the future. Um, and right now, you know, Jacoby Jones is looking like he might, uh, he might seize that job and kind of make all of that moot. So Nick Madrigal would really fill a, really fill a hole. He, He'd really he tie that. Be- tie that farm system together guys i think for me yeah the rug that holds the room together um yeah i for me it's just like i feel like picking him over the typical hard-throwing righty it it just shows that you're trying to build that team as opposed to like draft pieces like to keep trying to recreate the justin verlander pickup you know what i mean yeah like you're just not going to find that very often and Casey Mize is not going to be Justin Verlander I'm willing to to make a bet with anybody who wants that he will not have Justin Verlander's career he'll probably be a pretty solid starting pitcher if he's healthy and stays healthy um you know guys don't stay healthy the way Justin Verlander does he's just a freak no so you can't really bet on that and yeah you know I mean we've got a lot of pitching prospects I mean you put Casey Mize at Erie like you're you're bumping out a pretty good arm (laughs) we've got we've got enough guys between advanced a and double a um some of the younger level we we probably could use a little bit more help but yeah i i will just have to wait and see because like i said things could change really fast maybe nick madrigal just goes crazy and we can just like write numerous articles just screeching at the tigers front office not to be stupid because <laughs> i just post him... one every other day because i would just oh yeah. draft nick madrigal yeah you get him. I mean, you got Jake Rogers, a catcher. We've got Candelario at third. We've got some center field options. You're a pretty good way to having a decent, you know, decent set of position players again. And that's without even having to go and do something like trade Michael Fulmer. You know, we've got Fulmer, Boyd, and Norris. We've got Joe Jimenez. And there's a ton of arms coming. Um, so, yeah, if they could just get that, you know, get that middle infield set and let those arms kind of feed into the system as they will, um, you know, they might be in pretty good shape within two, three years and able to spend and start pushing toward the top again. Yeah. So, but yeah, all right, we'll see how it goes. I'm sure they'll be They're not time paying for us, us for these make. opinions, Brandon. We don't know anything. I know. I know the Tigers know everything. The Tigers are all <laughs> wise. <laughs> At least Chris Fazio maybe is, so. Oh, Lord. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up there with our Nick Madrigal sadness. <laughs> we're just <laughs> ending on a real high note now. Yep, exactly. <laughs> we talked about heroin addiction and the, the drafty we're probably not going to get. Yeah, I want you all to yep, go out and read Halo 7 and read A Sad Tale of Heroin Addiction and then watch copious video of Nick Madrigal until you're ready to weep. <laughs> these are your, these are your Happy lessons. Wednesday, everyone. Yep, enjoy a double header of Tigers baseball on Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, and it'll be Tigers Pirates baseball, which is of course like the most irritating brand of baseball possible. For some reason, the Pirates play it. I know, I do love PNC, but man, the Pirates play an irritating brand of baseball. Always tough. So, yeah, so that should be fun. So, all right, um, I'm gonna do the Tigers SRD podcast over on that with our buddy Roger Martin and Chris Brown on Thursday. Um, I believe Robert Jackie and I are going to record the Patreon podcast next week. And of course, Ashley and I will be back at our normal time. Um, you can find Ashley at 90 feet from home on Twitter. You can find me at Fiscadoro 74 on Twitter. And you can follow us, of course, and read all of our magical content at blessyouboys.com. Ashley, have a good week. <laughs> you too. Talk to you later.
Bye. Bye.